What's up, Madrid podcast listeners or Real Champ podcast listeners? It's Mushtaq, the host of this podcast. I'm here with Hassan Karim at the House Karim on Twitter. Follow him. He's a bit annoying, but he's a super guy. He's got some good <laughs> tweets. Anyway, last time we guys, or Hassan and I, caught up on the podcast and spoke to the podcast because we're not actually talking to you. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, it was just before the second leg of the game against Girona in the Copa del Rey. Of course, Real Madrid won that game. But before we get into that and who Real Madrid will be facing off against in the semifinal, let's just take a look at that game as a whole and maybe the whole performance over two legs and pick one or two things that stood out to us and one or two that, that we definitely need to improve upon or make sure we carry out through the semifinal. I'll let you go first. Um, so this is what impressed me in this game. I must admit the... General structure of the team was quite impressive. Um, we didn't have too many lapses in defence for a change, which was quite impressive. Um, if I had to pick an individual that stood out, I know you're probably going to say Benzema, so I'm going to differentiate a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to say Vinicius Jr. was quite impressive in this game. Just well, his general threat, is constant running. Could have had a couple of assists more than he did. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah, Vinicius Jr. Well, there's no, definitely no arguing with that one. Like you said, I'm definitely going to go with Karim Benzema because he continues to impress. And not only is he impressing, he's doing so on a consistent basis. And that is something that he hasn't done in a while at Real Madrid. So it's super important. And of course, especially with the depth or the lack thereof of this team in terms of goal scorers, uh, it's something that's so welcomed with a big hug because Real Madrid need that <laughs> so badly, and they're going to continue to need it, especially as we now get into February, and it's that push in all the cups. I mean, it's always a contest, but I think February March is kind of where things really get decided, especially the league. Uh, yeah. That kind of all gets figured out, and then you'll know uh, whether you're going to rise to the occasion or fall apart again. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> Outside of Karim Benzema's performance, uh, the one neat thing that did stick out to me was, of course, Marco Asensio getting some minutes. He's been injured for some time. I think he was out for like six weeks or something like that. It's super cool, and it's great to see the young kid back on the pitch. I'm just hoping that he can regain or at least gain Solari's trust. All you know, Not all over again, but now that he is back and he is fit, I did see someone tweet something quite interesting earlier today. And they basically said, Marco Asensio is essentially a new signing for Solari. Because he hasn't he hasn't really been fit enough, long enough for Solari to use him. So it's kind of like having a new piece to this jigsaw puzzle that Solari has to work with. And at least the way I saw it, it's kind of true. So again, it's going to be interesting. Like you said earlier, of course you have Vinicius who's playing super well. He's doing so good. I think he's exceeding the expectations of pretty much everybody i expected him to do well but not this well exactly so that's what i mean even if you were optimistic about him you were not this optimistic even i was not this grossly optimistic and i'm the most blindly optimistic person possible uh, <laughs> but seeing where he'll fit in and of course you know lucas vasquez on the right has been doing so well i think Solari's only lost two games when lucas has played so, will he get a chance? Of course, up top, Benzema's in form. You wouldn't play Asensio up top anyway. 
So that doesn't make sense. But where will he fit in? I think it's going to be a big thing. But like I said, nice yeah. to have him back. Yeah, for sure. Um, just the case, does he use him correctly? I mean, I'm sick to death of seeing people use Asensio on the left wing. Stop it. Just stop it. Play him on the right. You know he's good there. Or play him as like a free-roaming midfielder, uh, attacking midfielder. Just stop playing him on the left <laughs> for the love of human nature. Just stop playing him there. Yeah, I, I feel like he does his best work when he does have a free roll on the wing. Uh, in my eyes, at least, I don't really see the point of having him playing on the wings. People who should be playing on the wings are already playing on the wing, like Vasquez and Vinicius and Bale when he's fit, because they're people who have pace. Asensio, sure, he can make a sprint if there's a counterattack, or he can burst you know, by himself if, if he goes free, if he gets yeah. a good ball. But it's not like he can give you you know, seven, eight, nine, ten good runs up the wing over the course of 90 minutes. So, I, I mean, he could do it, but then you're yeah. going to have to sub him out at 70. So there's no point. It's not out of the realms of possibility for him to do it, but just use him where he's strongest at the end of the day. Exactly. I mean, in his strongest season, all the future was the 17-18 um, season. He was at his best when Zidane allowed him just to sort of roam between the flanks and through the midfield. I mean, you've only got to look at his performances against Bayern Munich. How many times did he surge down the left? Not often, but how many times did he just surge down the middle, slicing Bayern open? Yep. Numerous times over. Uh, I, I mean, example. I remember doing... Sorry, I remember doing live tweets on the Real Champs account just of those games, of those Champions League games when Asensio would get the chance, or even La Liga games when Asensio got the chance, and he did get slotted on the left slash a free roam. But that link-up between him and Marcelo, sure, that Marcelo isn't the same Marcelo we've been seeing lately. But that is, like, it's superb. Like, the way they work together, the way they bounce off of one another, the quick one-twos, like, his interplay with the midfielders, like, it was great to see. But again, that's because that's what fits Marcos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He links up with Marcelo as well. It's just, if you want to get the best out of him as a scoring threat, because, you know, let's not be around the bush. His long-range his long shooting ability is ludicrous. You're yeah, not going to get the best out of that from the left. Yeah, definitely. You're only going to get the best out of him with that down the middle or off the right. That's the only place you're getting the best out of him, really. Well, uh, now that we all agree that we'd love, or <laughs> we both agree that we'd love to see <laughs> Marco back and he plays best in that free role or that roaming role, there's somebody else at Real Madrid who's had a free role and has been roaming quite a bit. And is one person that's concerned me over this Copa del Rey, especially because it, like it, if there was any time that he was going to be brought into this squad, I really thought it was going to be during the Copa. But it still hasn't happened. And it's Isco. And I'm just like, why? Why not? It, it's not like he's done anything insane. It's not like he's gone and played any match where he's passed with less than 80% accuracy. He's been dispossessed five times. Like, there's nothing like that that's happened. I I feel like at this point, there's no rationale as to why he isn't played. No, I don't think there's any... Not that I could think of. I mean, you can't really make the argument he doesn't fit the, the system that's still always implemented because he's, he's just as capable of playing the midfield role as Modric. Chabayos and people like that so it's not that it can't be a fitness issue because Pintus is now back in the squad and 
when he's around, the fitness issues, they're, they're not really an issue as such. Um, so it's becoming a case of now, do we think it's a little beef between the two players? You know, has this go done something? Or it's, it's definitely a matter of something behind closed doors that we're just not aware of. Well, do, do you think he'll get any appearances moving on to La Liga? Like th- this upcoming match, I, I think we can kind of say we're, we're good with talking about the Girona quarterfinal. But like, let, let's try and just move into, you know, this weekend against Alaves. Like, it, again, it seems like it would be the time for Isco to play. Of course, yeah, of course. I think it would be, but it's where the Solari does. And now this is where we'll really see, obviously, with, with, without sorry, sort of spoiling what's going on in the next few weeks. But how vital the next few weeks are going to be. This is now where we'll really see whether it's an issue between the two or, or whether it's just he can't slot him into the system or what. I mean... He came up with an entirely... You know, obviously, we all remember the, the Betis game where he came up with an entirely new formation. And it seemed just to not accommodate Isco. It was quite weird. So, now we'll see, really, now, over these next few crunching weeks on where Isco really stands with Solari. Well, do you think he will... Well, in your eyes, what percentage do you think it is that he actually features this weekend? I'll say about 40% that he features, which is quite damning and low. But I, that's just me. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I think it's like, it's pathetic. I'm not saying what you think is pathetic. It's just pathetic that I actually yeah, kind of... Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, it, 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 it seems so... It seems less than 50-50, which hurts. Because there's no sense in, in having him just sitting on the bench. Like, and really... I don't understand what Solari's trying to do, if he's trying to appease Isco or the fans or Florentino Perez or who it is by giving Isco a round or less than 20 minutes in a game. I don't know if that is supposed to be an audition for him and he's expecting him to do something great in those 20 minutes or something miraculous in those 20 minutes or, you know, that's supposed to suffice for time. I mean, I, I don't see... I think I wrote that article, The Question Corner. He's had 24 appearances, of which 13 have been substitute, substitute, substituted yeah, for the pitch. So it's like more than half of the games that he's partaken in, he's been subbed on. I mean, bar Thibaut Courtois, of course, you're not going to count goalies in the starting 11. But like Isco is ranks, I think it was like 15th in minutes played. I'm not trying to discredit Danny Ceballos or Marcus Urante. Sure, Urante plays a different position. But, like, just look at Ceballos. Like, why is there that need? And I think the the biggest problem of all of this is going to be the next few weeks at Real Madrid. When you're going to be playing freaking Barcelona, Atleti, Ajax, Barcelona again, then Barcelona. Like, the amount of strain that's going to take, not just in travel... But the simple fact of the teams that of course, playing, yeah. it's going to be insane. If if Solari really thinks he's going to put that burden on Modric and Cruz for all those games, it's just not going to happen. You're going to burn is, yeah. all over again. This you is might what I said that you'll really back. see. Exactly. Really see now with the state of that relationship. If he doesn't use Isco over the next few weeks, even though there's definitely a relationship issue and not just a tactical one. It, it just did. It would only make sense to use Isco for these kinds of games because of the playing style of those teams. 
you need something like Barcelona doesn't play pace completely. Sure, they have fast people, but like for them, it's just possession. If you're not going to play East, I guess you're just dumb. Sorry, Solari, you're a bit of an idiot. No, it's 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 fair comment. I agree with it. I mean, you can't take away the fact that Isco is a world class player. You'd be stupid not to say so. Um, I had an interesting debate with me on Twitter the other day. Obviously, I'm a massive advocate of James Rodriguez. Always have been. Always will be. Um, but even though I said there, I said at the end of the day, even though I think Isco is a slightly more one dimensional player, if you can build the system around him correctly, you will really reap rewards, as we saw. In 2016-17, was down in the second half of the season when Isco was just out of this world in that team. So I mean, that Isco was insane. Like when he put on that purple jersey in the Champions League final, kid went off. Like I he mean, be... don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think he certainly overachieved that season. I don't think he'd be able to replicate that season in a heartbeat. He wouldn't. A lot, it a lot shows of players overachieved that yeah. season, but it shows he's got the ability. That's for sure. I mean, you see it for Spain as well. Exactly. He's exactly. So he's got the ability to be world class, and there's no doubt about it. Um, it's just a case of you need. This guy's definitely a systematic player. He's not someone you could just drop into, say, like I say, he wasn't a Real Madrid player. You couldn't just drop him into Ibar or you know anyone like that. You couldn't just drop him in there and you just do the job in that system straight away. Um, which is where where maybe I can see the tactical issue, but I don't think it's a tactical issue anymore. Definitely don't think it's a tactical issue anymore. At first I did. Now I don't think it is. I think it's genuinely a case of Solari just point. That doesn't seem to like the man. By the way, for those of you who think we're brown-nosing right now, I promise you, we do understand that Isco has flaws. And plenty of them. As a huge Isco fan, I can definitely point them out for you. Um, I think we've just rambled on about how upset <laughs> upsetting it is to see him just sit there on the bench and not be of any use. But we shall digress and move on. You actually got to watch the draw, or at least you were keeping up with it. Who were you hoping to get in the draw of the three teams that were remaining? Anybody not named FC Barcelona, <laughs> which is only two other people, really. But um, yeah, as soon as I saw um, Valencia came out, and then I saw Real Batiste came out, I was like, fuck. Literally, I, I didn't even say anything else. I literally I sat on the train watching this draw. As soon as I saw those two teams come out first, I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not um, not the news that many Madrid fans wanted to hear. But then again, like you just got to be positive. Go with it. You, at the end of the day, it goes back to the statement, doesn't it? Luck of the draw. And exactly. we just didn't have luck of the draw this time around. But at the end of the day, yeah, okay. I'm not particularly looking forward to those many classicos in such a short space of time, simply because it's going to destroy my nervous system. But yeah, just um, I, I welcome the challenge somewhere in my in my mind. The challenge is being welcomed. But um, yeah, it's going to be a challenging, very trying, testing few weeks. But this is where we'll really see the acid test on Solari, if you will. I mean. I still don't have the big start of faith in the guy, and I don't think he's going to be at the club post summer of the season. But, um, you know, if, if he wants to try and stake a claim to say that he should keep the job, God forbid he doesn't, nothing against the guy, even if he does win something. 
this is his chance now. You've got your big, big window of opportunity to stake a claim to say, yes, I am the man for this job. Do, do you think that this is going to be like the the last straw all over again, kind of like what it was with Lopetegui? Like he just absolutely bottled it in that Classico and then Papa Perez was like, all right, that's it. See you later. Do you think the same thing could happen? happen or is it just going to be a case of we just got to ride it out pride over everything i think it's going to have to be a case of riding i had again i had this discussion on twitter earlier <clears throat> we did talk about excuse this me actually in one of the other pods yeah um you know at the end of the day okay so say he does absolutely terribly say he gets battered by barcelona it's battered by atletico madrid and goes out to ajax in the um champions league Okay, that was so, literally the most depressing statement I've heard all week. <laughs> Good thing it's hypothetical, right? Um, so, okay, that happens. You want to get rid of the man. Okay, fair enough. Who are you going to get in now? Think about it this way. A, who's a candidate that's available at this point in time? Who's logistically going to take that job at this point in the, and the state of the team that's, you know, the state that this team is in right now? Who's going to logically take that? I mean, come on, you think about it, any top-tier manager's going to turn around and be like, I'm not taking over that train wreck. You must be mad. I'm not risking my, uh, my, my, my name and my status for that. No one's going to do that. They'll run away from it. Okay, yeah, you can be like, yeah, biggest club in the world, yada, yada, yada. But sometimes you have to run away from a train wreck like that, and that is literally running away from a train wreck. Because say you take, say, okay, say for argument's sake, Conte takes the job because we sacked Solari and does an absolute sort of dreadful run because the team's just stinking until the summer. Get to the summer, Perez is like, well, this gamble didn't work. Yeah, we'll sack him as well. Imagine the shame of that. You're only brought in as essentially a caretaker and you were just kicked out the door straight away because you weren't able to rescue what was already a foregone conclusion. And I think what makes it even more of like a, a delicate situation is the fact that Solari played for Real Madrid as well. And he coached the Castilla side for three years. So it's almost like you, it's a it's like a double disservice to exactly make him depart in such a fashion. It, it's almost like it's almost insulting yourself. It's kind of like that don't bite from the hand that feeds you kind of thing. I mean, it's not it's not the same principle, but I think you you get what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. But the other thing I when they appointed Solari, my, my biggest question was what? were they expecting when they made that appointment? Was this just a case of steady the ship, write the season off, and then we'll just get rid of him at the end? Or was this a case of like, okay, yeah, we, we reckon this guy can, you know, potentially do something? Like, what was the I logistics just, beyond the appointment? I, I just don't see how Perez and Emilio and the rest of the, the board could could really believe that Solari is a long-term solution. Of course, like, yeah, it, I completely agree with despite that. Despite giving a contract till 2021 or whatever it is, like it just it feasibly does not make sense. No, it doesn't. And the end of the, the contract's just a formality, isn't it, really? Because you're not oh, going to say to a guy, yeah, we'll just give you a contract to the end of the season. I mean, yeah, it does have to. months, don't worry. But it's, you know, it's one of those. I mean, I personally think they should have just appointed him as caretaker, like similar to Manchester United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And just said, yeah, well, he's a manager until the end of the season. And then we'll go from there. I still can't but, pronounce the guy's name, by the way. Sorry. Oh, I had to listen to it numerous times until I could figure it out. So if, I think I've got it down. Ola Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm proud of you, kid. Proud of you. Got it. 
Um, so all the all the pessimism aside, do you think there is an advantage that Real Madrid hold over Barcelona? That'll be, like just for the Copas, not like putting aside the La Liga matches. Realistically, like in the Copa del Rey, um, just in the cup game anyway, when it's knockout stage, anything is possible. That's the beauty of the game. Anything is possible at this point. Okay, yeah, you can account for form and you could say, yeah, well, this team's scoring this many goals and this team's had that start to the season. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, form goes out the window in those kind of games and it's literally just what happens on the day and you can never really predict it. Um, and that's been epitomised by Real Madrid numerous times over the last couple of years, especially last season. I mean, well, we... literally is a cup is a cup team is what they are. Yeah, I've always sort of a couple of times I've used the analogy. They're kind of like the Italy of of um, of club football, where they're just very good in the cups, but that's the sort of usually how it goes. Not really made for a long hard slog, but um, it's like look at PSG last season. I remember when we drew PSG. Oh yeah, I was dreading that because I was like, Jesus Christ, PSG! Oh my gosh, Mbappe. Like, uh, we don't have the cool... It's not some super high-profile group chat that we have. I know I mentioned this a few times in the podcast. But if you could see the way Hassan panics and just rants <laughs> in the group chat, all I just see is my iPhone just going... Ping, 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 ping. Just, I'm dreading this. We're going to lose. We're going to get smacked. We're going to be thumped. This person's going to play like crap. This person won't show up. The tactics are going to be shit. Like, That's the moment. Literally. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the exact opposite of what I am. That's Hassan before a big game. Basically. Yeah. I'm a bucket of nerves. Um, yeah. But pulled it off superbly in the end. Yeah. That's thanks to a certain Portuguese. Um, <laughs> you know, who yeah. we are going, who are we, who we are missing this season. But we've got big bends. Hashtag big bends for Ballon d'Or 2020. It's coming. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh god uh, wait just a quick side note Kareem Benzema has more than who is it Firmino Lukaku and Suarez this season not just that Sergio Ramos has more than Lukaku yeah, and sorry that's what I saw but uh, Benzema has more goals than Griezmann as well he does yeah but that, that's, that makes me happy because it's a big well, middle thing because Didier Deschamps Gonzalo Higuain like this is pathetic yeah, it's pretty jokes to be honest, but it's like, yeah, the only reason I like the fact that he's got more goals than Antoine Griezmann is A, because he plays for Atletico and I hate them. I hate Griezmann as a player, not, not as a player, sorry, as a person, I just hate Griezmann, I find him cringy. Um, and it's kind of like a, a middle finger to Deschamps, because it's like, you've made this guy kind of like the boy of your team. Oh, for alongside sure. Mbappe, and oh. you've just been ignoring Benzema for so many years. That's gonna look. I mean, like, granted, they've won a World Cup now, so it's not like you can really take the piss out of them. But it, sure, it's just yeah. so nice. But just, just to imagine, like, imagine what Benzema would have done in that team over Olivier Giroud. Oh man! Like, don't get me wrong. I still kind of rate what Giroud did, but then if Benz was there, oh baby, it would have been sweet. He would have at least got a shot on target in the tournament. Put it that way. It would have been like a fresh French baguette, nice and. <laughs> Crisp on the outside and soft and warm on the inside. Oh, baby, it would have been amazing. <laughs> toasted but, with cheese. Yeah, toasted. Cheese toasties. I, was, I don't know if you guys know this, but like, I don't know where you are in the world. I think we've said this before. Like, can you please just like add us on Twitter? 
and just tell us where you live because like we kind of want to know where our listeners are from because like it'd be interesting to see on twitter like we can see like twitter stats and all that but the podcast obviously doesn't allow us to do that but like just add us just your country you don't even have to put like a long tweet we'll know what you're talking about but in england they call cheese toasties what we call here in north america grilled cheese which is kind of it kind of makes more sense, but it's also kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting di- difference. I always used to wonder, what the hell do they mean, grilled cheese? They also, nobody got the cereal thing, eh? Yeah, I know. That upset me, guys. What, what, you let us down. What are you doing? Seriously. Tell me your favorite I... cereal. Oh, my Research God. Wait, you know, let's, let's, put, <laughs> let's put a poll on Twitter right now. Cheese toasties or grilled cheese. All right, fine. We'll do it. We'll do I'll do it right now while we're doing oh, this. Do so I'll be just so you keep talking. But yeah, man, it's it's strange how you get these differences between the two uh, the two the two countries. What else do you? It's like you'll call things like sidewalk and stuff like that, whereas we call it a path. Or a I actually call it a path. Say now, you've got English relatives, haven't you? So. Well, no, it's not because of the English relatives. It's really because of my like my mom like growing up in like a British education. System hashtag colonialism. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> that's basically. Sorry. It's like in a car, for example, you'll call an accelerator the gas pedal. That's true, and also like we call it gas. Like I'm gonna go fuel my car with gas, which doesn't really make sense. Yeah, we're like, no, we're gonna go put some petrol in. Yeah, and this then oh, interesting. You know my favorite one is um. It's how you guys don't say GPS and you say sat nav. It just sounds so much more like intricate, you know, like ooh, a sat nav. Like it really Sci-fi. seems like you're going Yeah, like you're really doing shit, you know? And then what's the <laughs> other one? I can't even think of it. No, it so far. Oh, I don't know if you say this, but I've heard some people say aircon for air conditioning. Whereas like here we're just super lazy, we're just like AC, just crank up the AC. It's yeah, I've never I've never myself said AC. I've heard people say it. But, but like you just call air it aircon or air conditioning. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, back to the game. Um, the one advantage that I think Real Madrid have over Barcelona is like kind of like what you said, just like this weird innate ability to just be like, oh, this game's important. We should win. And then just like flip the switch and just, just switch it on. Yeah. 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 Perfectly. Just like absolutely boss it. Like, Midfield, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric pass for like freaking 95% accuracy. Benzema has like five shots, three are on target. Danny Carvajal flies up the wing, puts like five crosses in the box, three meet somebody's head, one actually ends up on target. Like just some like ludicrous stats like that. Like it's one of those days where I go on who scored and I look at the stat sheet. I'm just like, wow, what shouldn't I mention? Because yeah, it is one of those. I'm not trying to jinx it. It's just, I feel like it's just a Real Madrid thing. No, it is. I mean, any any tournament besides La Liga, this team just seems to step up if it's a cup competition, whether it's the Copa del Rey. Oh, OK, maybe for the last few seasons we haven't, but, you know, when we face big sides in the Copa del Rey, generally they step up. Um, I mean, Champions League, you don't really need to say anymore. Um, and like obviously the Super Cup up until this year, they always just seem to boss it even in second gear. Like, I remember we played Manchester United in the Super Cup a couple of seasons ago and like, I was thinking United actually might make it tricky and we just made it look like a, a walkover. 
I mean, it was just a one nil game though. Yeah, but the performance from Madrid was really quite surprising. Just how like oh, that they just true. controlled them. They just literally could just control them. I was like, that's really surprising. Literally, how easy all, they made that look. all I want to happen is like that Supercopa, like no, what was it? Spanish Super Cup, like performance over two legs against Barca. Just like replicate that. I'll be so happy. There you go. There's another one. A super Spanish Super Cup, obviously against Barcelona. They just really like went into another gear. It was ridiculous. I- I'm really curious, like what tactics Solari is gonna implement. Like, is he gonna go back and look at the tape of that game with all the other guys on the management and just say, like, you know, what can we take from that and replicate or at least try and emulate in terms of form, structure, tactics, and then figure out the personnel. Like, how you are they going to... I really wish I could be a fly on the wall in that coaching but room. The, there is the other thing. There's obviously some different roster changes now as well. I mean, you've got Arthur in the midfield now for Barcelona, who's, not going to lie, smashing it. Incredible player. Um, you've got Philippe Coutinho now, Usman Dembele. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it, but Kevin Prince, Boateng, Vidal. <laughs> you've got all these new players in there. Just all up, these... You know, Weird people showing up. Yeah, these just weird, weird people are weird flex, but okay. Um, yes, yeah, it's just like just, just these new new faces. Obviously, p- before you know, you had your post to put your name on Messi, Suarez, and Iniesta, and people. Obviously, you know, the two of them have departed now. Um, but yeah, man, you just have those those players then. So it's, it'd be interesting to see how they adapt to these new new faces. I, I don't, like, now that you mentioned all that, that really just, like, sunk my hype. Like, <laughs> I, it felt really, like, attainable. And then he just threw out all these names. I think the one person I'm scared of more than Messi is Dembele. I'm just like, shit. Dembele is frightening. He's so good. That kid's um, a nut. He's a freak. He's actually a straight freak. After Mbappe, I'd say he's probably the best young player in the world. Quite easily. Um... He's, he's ambidextrous, he's quick, he can racket a shot from anywhere. It's just, there seems to be nothing the kid can't do, and he's clutch as hell. I think for Barcelona this season, he's won the most points. Yeah, I don't know. On the plus side of things, I'm just looking at the stats of the Copa del Rey this season. Real Madrid have Karim Benzema, who is a top scorer in the competition with four goals, uh, tied for third. And then also, Real Madrid have first and second in assists. So Vinicius Jr. has a most with six. And then Yathola has second most with four assists. So like individually good stats, but again, it's just gonna come down to piecing it all together at the end of the day as a team and just getting the job done. I'm super nervous. I'm super scared. We're so nervous we didn't even cover the LFS game which is happening in two days. Uh, but we kind of did in the last podcast. I think what do we say? The the tricky thing is, um, is like where they sit in the league table. Alaves are a bit of like a um, they're like a double bluff. They look like yeah. it's, they're conceding a lot. Like a dark horse kind of thing. Like you're not really sure. Yeah, it's a strange one. It really is a strange because they sit fifth in the fifth. table. Yeah, they've got a minus two goal difference. I was just gonna say that. But that we still conceded more goals than they have. Okay, it's only two more, but you know what I mean? 
No, I, I definitely see what you're saying. But again, like it, it's kind of it's scary that you can have a minus goal difference and still be that high up the table. Yeah, it's like I said to you that day. Though. I mean, they're, you know, they're overachieving on their goal difference and stuff. And they're overachieving on their goals conceded, even though they got a negative goal difference. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. I, I know it sounds super cliche, but coming out strong is just going to be like the most important thing. Uh, like, really, from here on out, like essentially for every game, but like now more than ever, because there really is no time to screw around and wait till the 80th minute to be like, oh, Maybe to switch on. Yeah. yeah, let's do something now. Like I don't remember what game it was. A few a few matches ago, like Vinicius Junior is like our highlight player because he's the only one doing something. And like, don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm so happy that he is, but it's also slightly pathetic. Yeah, it is. It's worrying at times. It's just like the team's just not switching into gear. It's just like, oh, what are we gonna do when we come up against you know a big side, a big outlet in Europe or in the league? And it's just like, yeah, we might just get pumped. But, again, maybe they'll rise to that occasion. Um, just the main thing with Alaves is just not to be complacent. Complacency will be the undoing of this team, and it always is. It's like they're walking, they're like, yeah, we're Real Madrid, we're just going to win because we've automatically got that big name. I think that's going to hold true this week and more so against uh, Ajax in the Champions League. Yeah, especially against Ajax. We cannot afford to go into that game and be like, well, final would pump these guys 6-2, so we'll do the same. They've well, got dangerous players, some very dangerous players in that team. Dangerous players, a lot of things for Real Madrid to pay attention to. The schedule is going to be absolutely nuts. Hassan and I are going to try and keep up with it as much as we humanly possibly can as students, as well as writers or podcasters or however you see us <laughs> just gonna the jump through lot. the schedule before we end this podcast this sunday is going to be match day 22 of la liga against alaves on wednesday february 6th will be the first leg of the copa which will take place at real madrid three days later on the saturday real madrid will host atletico madrid um and then four days later on february 13th Real Madrid will host Ajax. Thankfully, everybody's coming home to us for those games. We don't have to travel. <laughs> um, four days after that, on February 17th, Real Madrid will visit Girona again. Of course, this time it'll be in La Liga. Then we will play, have a week's rest, thankfully, possibly. Uh, on February 24th, we'll host Levante. And then three days later will be the second leg of the Copa match against Barcelona where we will travel to the Camp Nou and then I don't know if Madrid will stay in Barcelona, they'll probably come back because uh, a few days after that they're going to be playing, or a week I guess they'll come back home a week after yeah. that they'll travel back to Barcelona to play Barca at the Camp Nou on March 2nd so in a space of a month, Real Madrid will play the first leg of the round of 16 in the Champions League, they will play both legs of their Copa against Barcelona. There will be a Madrid derby as well as a third Clasico, which will be the second Clasico and final Clasico of the La Liga season. Oh, and then, sorry, three days after that, Madrid <laughs> play the return like against Ajax. So there you have it. Um, a lot going on. A lot going on. To make sure you watch Real Madrid. Sorry, say that again. 
There's a lot going on, man. A lot going on. Yeah, if there is a time that you don't want to miss Real Madrid games this season, this is going to be the month. Like, watch it in class. Don't skip class. We're not saying that. Watch in class. Watch at work. Do whatever you need to do because it's going to be absolutely epic. We're going to try really hard to keep up this consistency with the podcast. And also, Hustle and I looked at the numbers. We don't want to throw them out there because that's just kind of weird. But we were joyfully surprised, I would say is the correct term. Like, we honestly really appreciate you guys having a listen, downloading this podcast and having a listen to it on your free time or whenever you can. Um, we just ask that maybe you share it with one person. If you, if you so wish, we would super, super really appreciate it if you did. Uh, Hassan, any other closing remarks? We're good? No, we're all good. We're, all good. we're solid. Thank you guys so much. We'll try and hit you guys up with another podcast after the Sunday match against Alaves. Enjoy your weekend, or if you have work, catch up on your schoolwork, whatever it is you got to do. Enjoy it. Have fun. See you Sunday on Twitter. And as always, Hala Madrid.